0: Here it is! From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes people ask me, what the hell is it you do on that show that I never listen to? And um, my answer this week is, I update cliches. This week's updated cliché for your listening pleasure, right here at the top of the show, you come for the king... Best go to Belarus. Hello, welcome to the show.
1: I tore my head. Why you gotta get so great Why you always getting away? Why can't you just let things go? I told my heart sorry what i put you through the trouble is me and not you you are the wisest one i know the heart is humble heart is strong heart is the hero of every song well the heart is the hero of every i hoping I could stop the time And all of those stories in my mind Only a fool would believe and I told my ears Just listen to the rhythm and the rhyme Won't you listen like your very first time So the music can just play me Cause the heart is humble a hero To the space between, feel it right down to my feet till I'm dancing with a melody. Oh, my heart, thank you for being so true. Now, I'm putting my trust in you and remember remember to remember.
0: From Santa Monica, home of the homeless, I'm Harry Shearer, Welcome you to this edition of The Show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, time right here, right now, for me to read the trades for you. This, from Advertising Age, the answer to the question, What happened to Bud Light after they used a transsexual influencer in an ad campaign? I'm going to read it for you right now. As it attempts to get back on its feet, Bud Light unveiled new creative depicting a carefree summer. And yes... In the ad business, creative is now a noun. Set to cheek cheeks, good times. The sixty-second, easy-to-summer ad shows consumers enjoying Bud Light while they deal with bad falls of the season, like sunburns, bare feet on hot pavement, and hammock spills. <laughs> Officials of parent Anheuser-Busch InBev have said they would triple summer ad spend this year. That's right, in the ad biz, spend is a noun. As the brand tries to bounce back from a a prolonged sales slump related to uproar over a viral post from trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney. The commercial is one piece of Bud Light's summer marketing plan. Bud Light also announced a national summit music tour and said it would release new social content. The focus on summer fun music and football comes as the brand tries to win back fans by steering clear of divisive issues and emphasizing crowd-pleasing associations. Quote, For over 40 years, Bud Light has been delivering great quality beer for our 21-plus consumers. I think that means their age, not their number. That's easy to drink and easy to enjoy. We celebrate time with family and friends, whether through sports music or small moments together. Because that's what easy enjoyment is about. That's where I'm taking inspiration for our summer campaign, says Todd Allen. V.P. of Marketing for Bud Light. He continues, It's incredibly clear the amount of love and passion people have for Bud Light, and we care deeply about our consumers. What I've heard over the past few weeks is that people want us to get back to what we do best, being the beer of easy enjoyment. This new work is really about reaffirming the role that Bud Light plays for our drinkers, celebrating a summer of fun and entertainment, through music, backyard grilling, football, and easy enjoyment, unquote. Enough of that hard enjoyment. Beer Marketers Insights, that's a, another publication, commented on a survey of Bud Light distributors that suggests the beer maker has a lot more work to do in the U.S. to boost their morale and its sales. Their marketing people don't understand rural markets. One distributor, according to the report, they have lost sight of core consumers, said another. Bud Light has seen substantial sales declines 30% year over the year for the week ending June 10th, according to Nielsen IQ data. As it licks wounds from the Melvaney incident, ...and absorbs hits from offended consumers on all sides of the issue. The controversy saw two executives, including the marketing VP, take a leave of absence. The company also pledged substantial relief for wholesalers, many of whom took the brunt of the sales slide. According to Beer Marketers Insights, quote, Delivery guys are still being abused, spit at, given the finger, according to one distributor. Others shared that the issue, quote, has taken away their pride for being a bud guy, unquote. Anheuser-Busch InBev's global chief marketing officer said earlier this week the brand was, quote, learning a lot, unquote, from the controversy. He continued, In times like this, when things get divisive and controversial so easily, I think it's an important wake-up call to all of us marketers, first of all, to be very humble. Those are the words of Marcel Marcondes. He continues, That's what we're doing, being very humble. And really reminding ourselves of what we should do best every day, which is to really understand our consumers, which is to really celebrate and appreciate every consumer that loves our brands, but in a way that can make them be together, not apart." How Bud Light deals with having had a trans-influencer for a day. Who would know if I were not to read the trades for you? Copyrighted feature. Now, news of this smart, smart, smart world. Remember the uh, lawyer who was uh, pleading a case in court and cited two previous cases, including language, testimony, orders from those cases, and then discovered too late, thanks to the judge, that those cases were made up by Chat GPT. They didn't exist. They were Non cases. Well, those attorneys—there was more than one of them, actually—have ha- been formally slapped down by that New York judge, Judge Kelvin Castell. This week, issued an opinion and order on sanctions that found Peter Loduca, Stephen Schwartz, and the law firm of Levado, Levado, and Oberman had quote, abandoned their responsibilities when they submitted non-existent judicial opinions with fake quotes and citations created by the artificial intelligence tool and then continued to stand by the fake opinions after judicial orders called their existence into question chat gpt as you've heard on this program and learned from elsewhere as well is known to hallucinate to state things that are not true Microsoft is uh, heavily marketing GPT's family of bots. It's a family now. Pushing them deep into its cloud and Windows empire and letting them loose on people's corporate data. The same models that imagine lawsuits and obituaries and were described as incredibly limited by the creator of the software. In late May, Judge Castell challenged the attorneys representing a passenger injured on an avianca airline flight to explain themselves when the airline's lawyer suggested that the opposing counsel had cited made-up rulings not only did ChatGPT gpt invent fake cases that never existed such as Varghese versus china southern airlines limited but as schwartz one of the attorneys told the judge in his declaration on june 6th of this year the A.I. model also lied when questioned about the veracity of its citation, saying the case, quote, does indeed exist, unquote, and insisting the case can be found on Westlaw and LexisNexis to compendia of actually existing legal cases, despite assertions to the contrary by the court and the defense counsel. The attorneys eventually apologized, but the judge found their contrition unconvincing because they failed to admit their mistake when the issue was initially raised by the defense in march of this year until they waited until late may after the court had issued an order to show cause to acknowledge what happened quoting the judge many harms flow from the submission of fake opinions the opposing party wastes time and money in exposing the deception the courts time is taken from other important endeavors the client may be deprived of arguments based on authentic judicial pre- precedents. There's potential harm to the reputation of judges and courts whose names are falsely invoked as authors of the bogus opinions and to the reputation of a party attributed with fictional conduct. It promotes cynicism about the legal profession and the American judicial system, unquote punish the attorneys the judge directed each to pay a five thousand dollar fine to the court to notify their client and to notify each real judge falsely identified as the author of the fake cases cited concurrently the judge dismissed the plaintiff's injury claim against avianca airlines because more than two years had passed between the injury and the lawsuit that's a time limit set by the Montreal Convention. And what a fun time that was. Quote, The lesson here is that you can't delegate to a machine the things for which a lawyer is responsible, said the chairman of the American Bar Association's Artificial Intelligence and Robotics Institute. His name is Stephen Wu. He said the judge made it clear technology has a role in the legal profession, but that Wu... That role, Wu said, is necessarily subordinate to legal professionals. Rule 11 of the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure happens to require attorneys to take responsibility for information submitted to the court. And workers tasked with improving the output of Google's chatbot, he's named... He, it's named Bard, say they've been told to focus on working fast at the expense of quality. This is a report from the British tech journal, The Register. Bard sometimes generates inaccurate information simply because there isn't enough time for these fact-checkers to verify the software's output, according to one of those workers. They large language models like Bard they learn what words to generate next from a given prompt by ingesting mountains of text from various sources the internet books papers and uh, some publishers are already preparing if not already opening legal actions to get paid for having their material uh, scraped by chatbots. This information is complex and sentence-predicting AI chatbots can't tell fact from fiction. They try their best to emulate humans by reading our own work. Hoping to make the models like Bard more accurate, crowdsource workers are hired to assess the accuracy of the bot's responses. That feedback then goes back into the pipeline, so the future answers from the bot might be of higher quality. Humans are in the loop to bump up the apparent abilities of the trained models. A longtime contractor hired by a data services provider, Appen, working on behalf of Google, Guy's name is Ed Stackhouse, claims workers aren't given enough time to analyze the security of BARD's outputs. They have to read an input prompt and BARD's responses, search the internet for the relevant information, and write up notes commenting on the quality of the text. Quote, Stackhouse, you can be given just two minutes for something that would actually take 15 minutes to verify. Unquote. Doesn't sound very next world to me sounds like this one an example could be looking at a blurb generated by bard describing a particular company quote you'd have to check that a business was started at such and such a date that it manufactured such and such product that the ceo is so and so he said there are multiple facts to check and often not enough time to verify them thoroughly He's part of a group of contract workers raising the alarm over how their working conditions can make Bard inaccurate and potentially harmful. Quote, Bard could be asked, Can you tell me the side effects of a certain prescription? Says Stackhouse. And I would have to go through and verify each one that Bard listed. What if I get one wrong? Every prompt and answer we see in our environment is one that could go out to customers to end users... Other topics besides medical issues could be risky, too. Barred spewing incorrect information on politicians, for example, could sway people's opinions on elections and affect democracy. Ah, We're we're through with that. Stackhouse's concerns aren't far-fetched. Chat GPT notably wrongly accused a mayor in Australia of being found guilty in a financial bribery case... Dating back to the early 2000s, that didn't happen. If workers are unable to catch these errors and correct them in time, AI will continue to spread falsehoods. Stackhouse says the biggest danger is they can mislead and sound so good, people will be convinced that the AI is correct. Contractors for the company, Appen, are penalized if they don't complete tasks within the allotted time and attempts to persuade managers to give them more time to assess Bard's responses haven't been successful. Stackhouse is one of a group of six workers who said they were fired for speaking out and have filed an unfair labor practice complaint with the National Labor Relations Board. See? AI isn't so scary at all. It's just like regular work. something i never really understood ladies and gentlemen and i'm not ashamed to say it and it's been done on uh mm, at least a dozen records that i can think about never understood understood this (laughs) too late for me now i guess so news of the olympic movement right here right now a um court in france
2: Ah, the French...
0: See, that I understand. A court in France, which was sent to uh, Agence France-Presse, the uh, French news service, this week said, the Paris Olympic Bid Committee guess what? Underestimated the costs of staging the Olympics at the time of the bid. It warned cuts might be needed before next summer. Well synchronized swimming no not that they're not suggesting that further measures to reduce service levels will be required to ensure final budgetary equilibrium said the report in budget speak adding that substantial uncertainties remain concerning the final level of resources unquote. Like, we can't afford that. The report also highlighted difficulty securing enough bids from private security firms for security, sponsorship shortfalls, the difficulty in working out total costs, and delays in finishing construction, particularly of transportation infrastructure. I had a ticket, but I couldn't get to the game. The budget for the organizing committee, known as KOJO around 3.3 billion euros it's three and a half billion dollars at the t- time of the successful bid now is at uh, 4.8 billion dollars by the end of last year the report estimated two-thirds of the increase resulted not from management drift or ill-considered changes to the project but from an obvious underestimation of the bid budget and an incomprehensible lack of understanding of the complexity of the Olympic Committee specifications, unquote. That doesn't sound good. The report said budget revisions for last year by an extra $438 million, partly due to inflation, were carried out transparently and rigorously by Kojo. They had their Kojo working. The report comes just after French authorities carried out a series of raids on Kojo, Solideo, the body in charge of the construction sites, and other companies with ties to the Games. That happened very recently, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. As a matter of fact, they were part of two preliminary investigations by the French National Financial Prosecutor's Office into contracts awarded for the Paris Olympics. The audit report said it was concerned over local sponsorship deals, they were supposed to bring almost a billion and a half dollars to kojo some 369.4 million remained to be secured meaning gotten it means it's imperative to conclude the partnership with the french luxury giant lvmh louis vuitton uh, still not signed said the report The report reiterated an earlier request that quote all costs be consolidated unquote because it's impossible to establish a clear total bill for the paris olympics the report also urged solideo the construction arm of the whole operation to take quote reinforcement measures unquote to the to ensure the completion of quote certain structures Affected by delays unquote. Those would be, among others, the athletes village, the media village, and at least one arena. Yes, it's a movement, and there's not enough movement every day. And now
2: Looks like
0: so musklov from australia the office of australia's e-safety commissioner has issued an official please explain to twitter over its content moderation practices and whether it is enforcing its own policies against hateful conduct E-Safety received more complaints about online hate on Twitter in the past 12 months than any other platform and has received an increasing number of reports of serious online abuse since Elon Musk's takeover of the company last October. That's from a media release from the Antipodean regulator, which linked the increased incidence of abuse to um, Twitter firing about 75% of its employees. Quote, "Twitter appears to have dropped the ball on tackling hate," according to e-safety commissioner Julie Inman Grant. She says a third of all complaints about online hate reported to us are now happening on Twitter." Unquote. Australia's communications minister Michelle Rowland has previously revealed that her department's polite inquiries to Twitter on the matter produced no response. Not even a poo emoji. The legal notice sent by the e-safety commissioner therefore represents an escalation. I'll get a poo emoji. The regulator is backed by the Online Safety Act, which requires service providers to follow quote, basic online safety expectations. Unquote. They're designed to protect Australians from online abuse. Hey, Aussie! The uh, law also requires online services to respond to requests for information about how they're working to minimize harms to Australian users. Failure to do so within 28 days can result in daily fines of around 450000 American dollars. Elon can afford that for about a week. And now of the godly speaking of australia an australian ex-priest convicted of child sex abuse has pleaded guilty sexually to sexually abusing a 72nd victim gerald ridsdale has been in prison since 1994 the 89 year old is bedridden and serving an almost 40 year sentence for a series of convictions for abusing children between 1961 and 1988 while he worked as a Roman Catholic priest in churches and schools across his home state of Victoria. Now bedridden, he pleaded guilty this week by a video link from a prison hospital to a new charge of indecently assaulting a 13-year-old boy in 1987. During his 29 years as a priest, Ridsdale was shuffled between 16 different church Posts. In twenty seventeen a government inquiry found his frequent relocations were evidence of the Church covering up his crimes. Let us pray. Uh, with an E. Proposed details of the Church of England's national redress scream, a scheme for survivors of church related abuse have been published this week. The purpose of the redress scheme is to demonstrate in tangible and practical ways that the Church of England is truly sorry for its past failings relating to safeguarding. There will be a presentation and debate at the Church's General Synod next month. It's hoped legislation will progress through the Synod in forthcoming sessions, after which it will need parliamentary approval. It is, of course, a state religion in England. And speaking of England, here's a report from an English newspaper on a news of the godly item from New Orleans. From the Guardian, three days after the Feast of All Saints in 1999, Lawrence Hecker confessed to his superiors at the Archdiocese of New Orleans that he had either sexually molested or otherwise shared a bed with multiple teenagers whom he met through his work as a Roman Catholic priest. The roughly 15-year period, beginning in the mid-1960s, during which the admitted conduct occurred, quote, was a time of great change in the world and in the church, and I succumbed to the zeitgeist, unquote, Hecker, the priest, in a two-page statement which he gave to local church authorities, serving a region with about half a million Catholics, quote, it was a time when I neglected spiritual direction, confession, and most daily prayer, unquote. Well, it was the 60s. Hecker's admission less than two months after he'd been chosen to receive the honorary title of Monsignor followed the decision of one of his victims to come forward to the archdiocese. The organization responded by sending Hecker to an out-of-state psychiatric treatment facility, which diagnosed him as a pedophile, who rationalized, justified, and took, quote, little responsibility for his behavior, unquote. The facility also determined that Hecker, despite the vow of celibacy, had previously engaged in a sexual encounter with a grown man who had an unspecified mental disability and to whom the priest was ministering. It recommended the archdiocese prohibit Hecker from working with children, adolescents, or other particularly vulnerable people. But he did not stop working until the church allowed him to retire in 2002. That year, the Archdiocese of Boston had been exposed as having covered up widespread sexual abuse of children by its clerics, setting off a scandal resulting in worldwide church reforms and a damn good movie. But when attorneys for the New Orleans Archdiocese reported Hecker alongside a handful of other clerics accused of abuse to the New Orleans police, they only informed investigators about a single one of the cases cited in his confession and They didn't mention the confession itself at all. Law enforcement authorities have never charged Hecker with a crime, even though the number of his accusers has only grown with the passage of time. Despite openness policies that the church implemented after the Boston scandal, New Orleans Archdiocese did not publicly acknowledge that Hecker was a predator until 2018. That's the year the Archdiocese released a list of dozens of priests and deacons, whom it considered to be strongly suspected of sexually abusing minors. Citing a moral obligation it had to all clerics, the Archdiocese waited until it filed for federal bankruptcy protection three years ago, in part because of litigation following the release of the clergy abuse list, to stop paying retirement benefits to Hacker and other abusive priests. Uh, That's because the judge overseeing the bankruptcy ordered it to stop paying retirement benefits. The most complete account yet of the shocking extremes to which the second oldest Catholic archdiocese in the U.S. went to coddle an admitted child molester is contained in hundreds of pages of secret church files seen by the Guardian in London. The documents established that New Orleans' last four Catholic archbishops, first of whom took office in the 1960s, had substantial reason to believe Hecker. Hecker was a child molester. Three of them stayed silent. The current one waited several years before acknowledging that Hecker played on children. So far, he has not changed his name to Heller. Ladies and gentlemen, you're probably aware by now, of uh, some criticism of Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito for accepting a uh, seat on a private jet, supposedly costing $100,000, to uh, a fishing, luxury fishing expedition at a luxury fishing lodge in Alaska, a gift from billionaire hedge fund executive Paul Singer. Singer was in the news about a decade and a half ago for pursuing Argentina. He went after a country. Uh, Argentina had uh, run up a big debt which was sold at a big discount because nobody else wanted it to Paul Singer. And uh, people who buy those kind of things usually settle for, you know, Twenty thirty, maybe thirty-five cents on the dollar. Singer insisted. Went through a series of court proceedings, some at the Supreme Court, which resulted in him getting the whole debt repaid to him by Argentina. Don't cry for them. Don't cry for uh, Justice Alito, who neglected to disclose the gift on his list of uh, things to disclose.
2: And live life kind of big But convocation time He'd always run A little bit short
0: joining Clarence Thomas and his friend Harlan Crow in the legions of supreme court justices who have buck buddies or bucks buddies I should say now ladies and gentlemen news of crypto winter bank no with a q bank with a q at the end a subsidiary of prime trust yeah they call it that has filed for bankruptcy bank with a Q is a crypto friendly payment processor based in Nevada though according to the bankruptcy documents former CEO Scott Purcell decided to try to pivot the company away from payments and into NFTs there's a a thriving business without the approval of the board of directors Bank's parent company has been the subject of insolvency rumors recently. In the bankruptcy filings, Bank alleges that $17.5 million in assets were stolen by former officers of the company, described in the listings as computers, trade secrets, proprietary information and technology, business records, etc. The transfer allegedly was made to Fortress NFT Group a rival company founded by the former CEO, CTO, and CPO of Prime Trust. A uh, lawsuit from Bank filed against Fortress and the executives alleges that they stole not only Bank's technology, but also significant other value of Bank's and used the purloined property to launch Defendant's Fortress NFT and Planet NFT using banks, assets, employees, trade secrets, and proprietary technology. They also claim the defendants engaged in another fraudulent activity to try to cr- cover up the theft. But, no worries. Because Prime Trust is going bankrupt too. First, um, they were going to be acquired by a company called BitGo. They were announced as being acquired, and that acquisition failed, according to a tweet from BitGo's Twitter account. And now the Nevada Financial Institutions Division has issued a cease and desist for the Prime Trust crypto custodian, the uh, apparently embattled Prime Trust signed a non-binding letter of intent of acquisition with Bitco, but Bitco announced the deal was off this week, on Thursday. The same day, Stably announced they had received a letter from Prime Trust announcing that deposits and withdrawals would be halted, which attributed the move to an order from the Nevada Financial Institutions Division. Now... That cease and desist has become public. It alleges that the overall financial condition of Prime Trust has considerably deteriorated to a critically deficient level, and that on or about june twenty first, that's this week, respondent was unable to honor customer withdrawals due to a shortfall of customer funds. Unquote. The NFID, that's the Nevada Financial Institutions division, you know, you gotta play straight in Nevada. They said that Prime Trust, quote, has materially and willfully breached its fiduciary duties to its customers by failing to safeguard assets under its custody and is unable to meet all customer disbursement requests, unquote. Prime Trust had been a partner of the Trust USD stablecoin. That's a coin fake coin that's supposed to be pegged to the value of the U.S. dollar. It's halted minting on June 10th for undisclosed reasons. It all sounds good, doesn't it? Thanks to Molly White at Web3 is going just great for reporting on the good things happening at Prime Trust. And one more uh, item in the crypto winter. It's, 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 I think it's i think it's beginning to snow there a south korean company has lured investors with its new technology a blockchain app that can identify dogs by their nose wrinkles an investigation found that what the company promoted to be its dog nose wrinkle reader sitting down are you was fake South Korean police say investors lost more than $100 million in what it describes as a typical Ponzi, meaning it pulled in incredibly stupid people. Three were arrested. Another 64 were charged with alleged fraud related to the scheme. The project came with a cryptocurrency and offered high returns on investment. Hey, it's probably too late, but I think I'm in. Now, the apologies of the week.
1: They're so sorry.
0: Finland's newly appointed minister for the economy has apologized for two speeches in which he appeared to praise The former Nazi dictator, Adolf Hitler, you've heard of him. In a Facebook post this week, the minister, Wilhelm Junilla, said he was sorry for remarks. He labeled, quote, stupid and childish. Junilla, a supporter of the ultra-nationalist Finns party, was appointed as a minister this week in Finland's new coalition government. He was apologizing for making the same comment about Hitler at two separate events. Speaking at a meeting in the city of Turku a couple years ago, Junilla noted with satisfaction his local party chairman's election number was 88. That's code among neo-Nazis for the letters HH, signifying Heil Hitler. Then in March this year, Junilla congratulated another candidate who had received the same number at a Finns campaign event. ...according to a Finnish broadcaster. First of all, congratulations on an ex- excellent election number. I know it's a winning card. This 88 refers, of course, to the two H's... ...but the, let's not dwell on that. Janilla is said to have joked. Writing on social media this week, Janilla said... "Quote: ...I've done something wrong and I'm sorry for my actions. Unquote. He acknowledged that the video of him speaking in 2019 is still online adding, had he been invited to a similar event today, he wouldn't participate. He said in a separate Facebook post, quote, I hope everyone is clear that I condemn the Holocaust, anti-Semitism, and all anti-Semitic acts strongly and definitely and completely. A local Indiana chapter of Moms for Liberty... A national conservative parents' organization apologized this week for quoting Adolf Hitler in a newsletter. This from NBC News. The Hamilton County chapter of Moms for Liberty quoted Hitler's remarks in a 1935 rally on the front page of its newsletter. The quote placed directly below the masthead read, quote, He alone who owns owns the youth. Gains the future. Unquote. The Indianapolis Star reported this story on Wednesday. The local chapter of Moms for Liberty added additional context to the original newsletter, saying the quote from this horrific leader should put parents on alert. If the government has control over our children today, they control our country's future. Unquote. A day later, Paige Miller, the chapter's leader, apologized for quoting the Nazi leader in a statement posted to the Moms for Liberty Facebook group. Quote, We condemn Adolf Hitler's actions and his dark place in human history. Miller wrote, Paige Miller, We should not have quoted him in our newsletter and express our deepest apology. Unquote. Both Democratic and Republican Local officials condemned the uh, inclusion of the quote. In case you uh, wonder, Moms for Liberty has grown to include, over the last two years, 285 chapters in 44 states, according to the organization. And uh, it opposes mask mandates in schools, banning library books that mention sexual orientation, and curtailing classroom lessons on racial inequality or inequity and discrimination. Dateline Menominee, Wisconsin, the Menominee Police Department Chief Rick Hollister released a statement this week apologizing for an officer's response. Quoting it, On Tuesday, June 20th at 9.07 a.m., the Menominee Police Department responded to a complaint that garnered considerable attention and concern from the public. The incident was reported as suspicious activity when the officer arrived A gray Ford car that's not normally seen in the area was located. The officer made contact with the driver, subsequently issued the driver a parking ticket. After the officer left the location of the driver, an evaluation of the incident took place. It was determined that a parking ticket was inappropriate for the situation. The officer returned to speak with the driver. The ticket was voided. During the overall review of the incident, it was learned the officer advised the driver to return where he came from. An apology was not issued to the driver on behalf of the Menominee Police Department. I sincerely apologize for how the incident was addressed. I understand we didn't live up to the level of service the community expects from its officers. We will use the experience as a teachable moment for all of our staff." And a brutal Texas heat wave is now entering its third week, according to the Washington Post. Shows no signs of slowing down. If anything, it could expand north and east and get worse over the next week. The expected intensity and longevity of the heat has forecasters concerned about dangerous and deadly consequences and even apologizing for it. Quote, sadly, temps are going to creep back upward next week, too. Sorry, y'all. We're going to get back to our typical levels of heat someday. day. But not real soon. Keep up the fight against the heat. Unquote. The National Weather Service in Houston. Apologies a week, ladies and gentlemen. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now France's Nuclear Safety Authority, here's news of our friend the atom, has given the go-ahead for a preliminary assessment for the construction of a center for radioactive waste disposal near the French town of Bure in the department of Crease, Crease, C-R-E-A-S-E. Final approval for the project, which is highly controversial, according to Radio France International, may still be years away. In a statement this week, the uh, Nuclear Safety Authority gave the green light for a technical assessment of the project designed to store a minimum of 83,000 cubic meters of highly radioactive waste from French nuclear power plants at a depth of 500 meters by the year 2040. The assessment process involves compliance with safety requirements. It will take some three years to complete. Since the 1990s, this project, SIGEO, it's called, has been at the center of major conflict Since 2016, several violent confrontations between protesters and police led authorities to vacate the zone. February 2018, local opposition remains limited, but anti-nuke activists managed to set up camp uh, camp near the site. They worry about possible dangers caused by radioactive pollution and complain about the opaque way, not the opaque way, the opaque way the public company in charge of the project and the state government, dealt with the case. French government has put nuclear back as the prime motor for energy production. The Segeo uh, project will cost $27 billion over a span of 150 years, to which one can only say, Maha, the French. And finally, your contact lenses could be shedding microplastics into your eyes, According to new research, up to 140 million people rely on contact lenses worldwide. The visual aids could be a source of damaging plastic pollution, according to Euronews. In a study published by the American Chemical Society, researchers estimate lenses worn for 10 hours a day could shed more than 90,000 microplastic particles per year. Quote, our study reveals an undiscovered pathway of microplastic direct exposure to humans, said the authors. This highlights the urgent need to assess the potential health risks caused by eye exposure to microplastics, they write. Microplastics, as we all know, are everywhere. According to a 2022 study, people inadvertently consume up to 5 grams of micro and na- nanoplastics every week. The tiny particles linger in human blood, lodge in the organs, and pollute fetuses. Emerging research suggests they may be able to induce carcinogenesis in cells. You know what that is. The scientists called for urgent more research into the health consequences of microplastics. Just one word, microplastics. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of Le Show. Back next week, same time, same radio station, same everything on your audio device of choice. If you want it the same, if you want to change the time, you know what to do. I have no idea. And it'll be just like all of us ending up in Belarus, if you'd agree to join with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. A tip of the Le Show shampoo to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this show, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, collector's items now, I would think, and the playlist of the music heard here on, all at harryshearer.com. And I'm a stubborn kind of a guy. I'm still on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. I don't care what Australia says. The show comes to you from Sensory of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Changes Easy radio network. So long from the home of the homeless.